Good afternoon. My name is Dave Peterson, and I'm here with Mike Nance from Denton, Texas. He's one of our masters, and he's here today to talk about architectural elements from concept to construction. Mike, welcome to the show. Yeah. Good to be here, Dave. <laughs> Good. Uh, so uh, you and I talk about design quite a bit. I think yep. you ask me more questions about uh, engineering because <laughs> yeah, I'm that kind of a geek. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as you know, I'm a, a fan of architecture as well. Yep. And um, so here we are talking about architectural stuff and how that influences water, maybe influences your design work. Oh, definitely so. Yeah. Uh, is there anything uh, in particular about architecture that, that you like, it, how it affects uh, the pool design? You know, I, they, no matter where we work, it always affects the design. Uh, given, you know, architects have it, they, they've got it good. They get to problem solve on the front end. They get to walk into a, a blank slate in most occasions where there's nothing there and they want to, again, solve those problems and build those structures and, and satisfy the client and uh, to bring some of their design influences into the overall process. But we as pool guys, uh, we show up and there's generally a house already there. And so that's the architecture, you know, and that's the thing that we have to, uh, that we've got to marry into and, and contribute to and create this, this seamless interface, if you will. And, uh, and, and so, yeah, absolutely. Design is, my design is always influenced by the surrounding architecture. Yeah, one of my uh, favorite architects is Louis Barragon, mm. who, you know, I think was quoted as saying that he, there, there should be no distinction between architecture, landscape, and the garden, I think was yeah. the way that he phrased it. And uh, I think you're kind of hinting to that sort of a, an approach to the projects that that things should be thought out integrated as a as a complete piece the pool shouldn't look like it's yes yeah, added later right yeah more of a master plan you know so how do you start that process though if we're talking about you know from concept to construction how how do you approach a project when you walk into a yard and the house is already there yeah, yeah. So it's it's the simple things, you know. The site uh, clients oftentimes will do that, especially far away clients. You know, consultation stuff that I do in other states, other countries. They'll call and say, you know, we'd like for you to come and do something for this. And uh, so, what's the next step? And uh, my first reply is always, I've got to come there. I've got to see the space. And so those things, such as elements and uh, uh, elements that the, the uh, exterior features, the materials, the color palette, the, the vistas, all of these traffic patterns, all of those things come into play almost immediately. So the site speaks to you. Uh, and uh, so that architectural element that's there, for instance, you mentioned Barragon, and uh, within his work was, uh, was quite interesting. He did a lot of play on water uh, and, and color. He was, he was a wonderful colorist as well. Uh, but he integrated, as you were mentioning earlier, the water and architecture together. And sometimes it was as simple as creating an, an overhead runnel detail that you couldn't normally you look down at a runnel, but he would create some sort of a channel uh, overhead and, and would drop it in dramatic fashion into uh, a water feature. 
But most of Barragon's work, as you know, was back in the 50s, you know, and, and, and beyond that. And, and, of course, I can't recall when he died, but I want to say he worked maybe all the way up into the 70s, if I'm not mistaken. But um, so the swimming pool wasn't a, 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 uh, an impetus for his design work. His was watering horses <laughs> in, in South America and, and, and in Mexico. And so some of his work is just absolutely dramatic in that he was doing perimeter overflow horse troughs in the 1950s, you know, and as you said before, we, we've talked before, uh, we, we came on here and, and that's uh, some of the pool guys think they really created something <laughs> with the perimeter <laughs> overflow and it's, excuse me, it's been done before. <laughs> right. Yeah, he was, uh, he was very good with light too. Yeah, and, uh, well that's the color aspect of it. Yeah, yeah and, and his use of, of uh, you know, windows, clear story windows and things mm. like that to bring in light into spaces and, and change rooms depending on the time of the day. And yeah. light actually fascinates me now because we have so much uh, new technology in that area and mm -hmm. the ability to, to do lighting in our pools like we've never been able to do before. Yeah. And, and you get involved with landscape lighting. I don't do a lot of do. landscape lighting. How does that tie in, you know, in terms of architecture and... Yeah. Again, it's, you know, it's, it, that's, uh, it's, the site speaks to you. So the architecture is there. It's identifying those elements that, that, that need that light time, not that light, the nighttime pop of, of, of light. And so that's oftentimes I see that in, in the classes that we teach, for instance, uh, within Genesis. And uh, you get that question of, uh, of, of all the day, daytime visuals, but the nighttime is oftentimes overlooked uh, more, more than not. And so, yeah, I mean, it's identifying the spots, knowing how to light, whether it's up light, down light, or side light, you know, all of these different times. It could be backdrop, it can be silhouetted. There's just a myriad of different uh, lighting techniques that you use. Uh, but, but certainly, um, the landscape lighting is, is a piece that, uh, that, that definitely goes into my design overall quiver, you know, uh, arrow in my quiver. Uh, so uh, to the specifics of what do you design the site speaks to you i mean it really does if it's not in view then obviously uh, it doesn't need to be but sometimes things are in view but they disappear at night and uh, a simple little incandescent even you know led today <laughs> but it's a simple light in that particular distance for instance can increase the depth of field in a, in a particular view from a corridor from within the house so there's a lot of little fun things to do with with the nighttime view for sure yeah so you mentioned uh, depth of field, and mm -hmm. that relates a lot to scale. And yeah. we haven't talked a lot about scale, we haven't talked about it at all yet. But um, obviously when you go into a, a backyard and you've got this existing structure, scale is one of the first things you have to think about. Right. Is the pool gonna be this big or is it gonna be yeah. this big? So how do you approach that from a, a design standpoint? Yeah, proportion is everything, you know, for sure. If you just think about it from, from pool design, our standard spa, for instance, is a seven-foot diameter. Let's call it as a standard normal spa. If we took uh, that seven-foot diameter spa and plopped it into a 12-foot long swimming pool, it looked kind of out of proportion, right? You know, so the scale would be off. And so, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, as far as how to, it's, uh, again, one of those learned uh, techniques of, of what's proper in that particular space. And, and I oftentimes say that to the client as well. If we make a, something small back here and conservative, it may be a postage stamp, you know, in the overall scheme. But if we take it to the proper size in accordance to the architecture, 
uh, and also the vista and, and you know, the overall landscape, uh, you know, trying to achieve some balance there in the overall uh, aspect of, of the, uh, the view and the master plan. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, getting the proportions right. Um, I don't know if that answers your question on yeah, scale. Yeah, no, it does. I mean, you know, talking about water and architecture and scale and pools in particular, if you think about falling water, yeah. I don't think the pool at falling water is all that large. Really small. But when you, for me, my interpretation is that when I look at the way that the home is designed and constructed, mm -hmm. there's sort of a series of boxes and cantilevers and things. Yep. And that just sort of, the, the pool, although it is small, feels like one more of those boxes that's sort of yeah. fitting into the, the scale of everything. So it's yep. not that the pool is in scale with the overall structure. It's more like it's in correct scale with certain elements of the structure. Well, that, that, you take it into context as well, because there you have the river. Yeah. You know, uh, the river is the feature. Although you have to leave the confines of the house to go out to appreciate and look back was a contrarian view, as, as Wright was known to be anyway, as a contrarian, true contrarian. Uh, but the, the existing swimming pool that's there, uh, it was more of a, a decadent touch. I mean, they just didn't have swimming pools in 1936, you know, but uh, so that was just sort of a, a, a sort of a decadent touch that, uh, that he added. Uh, to the space, but you're exactly right. Scale, proportion, it all worked, and it was tucked in. It wasn't out in the open like the river is, for instance. Now, on the other hand, with Barragon, his features were typically large because they had to accommodate many horses, and he did a lot of paved courtyards, too, the things that are just really big. And what I found interesting about some of his, not only in terms of details of what we try to use today, uh, and I mentioned the, the horse troughs, the perimeter overflow of horse troughs. Um, he took then and applied that same edge detail to just open watering troughs, if you will. So there wasn't, it wasn't a confines uh, that was completely visible. There was no vertical containment of the water. He would just ramp or beach entry down into a place where the horses could just walk down into the water as they would in a, in, in a lake. So I, it, I would venture to guess that's where his influence came from. He sees them do that in a lake and the ocean and rivers or whatever. Why don't we do that, recreate that in and around the house and, and again, make it architecturally correct. And the way he connected it was through papers mm -hmm. that came to the house out to that. And so, and it all worked. And uh, so, yeah, there's, there's a lot of different ways to, to, to grab that, that, that scale and, and to get it. And, uh, but yeah, in both of those instances, perfectly well done. Yeah, so he was bringing something that he saw in nature and incorporating mm -hmm. that in art. Which water element is a natural element, so why not? Yeah, yeah. And, and John Lautner did a lot of that as oh, well. Yeah. I mean, his organic architecture was, you mm -hmm. know, he was fitting the structures to be part of the, yeah. the environment. Are there any influences with John Lautner that have uh, oh, yeah. you know, found their way into your projects over time? Yeah, I think so. And again, you know, this was um, in early, I want to say it was 92, 93 when Tisherman did Goldstein, uh, the uh, Goldstein residence, which was uh, a Sheets Goldstein is the name of the house. And it was a John Lautner design that uh, John was brought in by Mr. Goldstein in the early 90s to, um, to rehab that. And uh, at the time I was mentoring with David Tisherman and uh, was able to to come to LA and, and visit that job site during the construction process. And at that time, I had never seen a perimeter overflow. And uh, this was pre-Genesis, by the way. Obviously, Genesis kicked off in 98. So David 
David did this one uh, with um, some specific details, but um, I, that was that grabbed me. Uh, you know, first time ever seeing a swimming pool water level at the same level as the deck, and uh, and and so I could I could go on and on and on about that house. But one of those things now that I mentioned the deck, and I won't I won't go on and on about the house. But uh, but in terms of how it relates to the swimming pool, another great detail that they did there that I tried to pull off with a client of mine and it, it didn't fly. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, so so the water level and the deck level were the same. They had a one inch slot that David had installed and, and uh, that all worked just fine. The deck continued out and you get out to the perimeter of the deck and the deck was, uh, the, the, the house was on a steep hillside and uh, is on a steep hillside. And the deck had no railing around the perimeter. You go, wet. yeah, you go over to the edge <laughs> of the deck and you look down as a 20 foot drop in some places, 30, 40 feet in others. I don't know how he got that through safety code and whatnot, but the great detail was something as simple as slant the deck or ramp the deck up towards the perimeter going up. So whenever you moved in that area, you were significant and you could feel the elevation with your feet. And there was no need for a fence. That, that slope actually ran from horizontal, started that vertical, and over that vertical span is probably about four feet. So you had it's two good strides in basically going uphill to go off the edge. Well, you didn't go. You got up and you felt that incline and you stayed away. Well, I pitched that to a client a few years later and, uh, uh, and, and they were like, uh, no. <laughs> and it's cause sometimes I, I have an opportunity to work where there are no inspections, you know, I'm out and I live in Texas and of course I do work all over, but, uh, within Texas there's, yeah, it's wide open spaces and you can do whatever the heck you want, wherever you want to, as long as just, you know, you obviously got to live with it at the end of the day. But it was one of those situations where there's no inspection. So, but the client said no. But yeah, I, you know, going back to your question, your original question of, uh, did, did does Lautner's work has any of that influenced me? It absolutely it has. And the the clean, you know, we use that term organic, and in my mind, organic brings forth landscape and undulating ground and rock and you know and that type of stuff. And that was one of the amazing things about Lautner is he was able to marry those together and and. He, it was st but still with a very modern sense and sensibility in being able to take the glass and concrete the way that he did and marry it to the overall space of, of the organic nature of, of things. And he did a lot of hillside stuff and, um, and, and he did it with such style and, and, and beauty that it's just amazing. Uh, but, but anyway, he, uh, he's, he certainly, there's been an influence on my work. Yeah. Well, one, one thing about architecture that I, I think is misunderstood by a lot of people is that there's a, a sales component to that, that mm. if you're coming up with original ideas, mm. you have to sell that concept oh, to the sure. client. And, yeah. you know, sometimes that's easier. Obviously you said it, it didn't work. You were trying to sell <laughs> this idea to a client. And so I'm wondering, you know, how, how do you, you know, are there any tools in your bag that you use to help you sell a concept especially oh, something sure. that they haven't seen or maybe is has only been done once before yeah for years i relied on just drawing skills you know that was the main thing is is just to be able to to draw something in some semblance of fashion to communicate the idea to the client and uh whether it's a section whether it's perspective whatever it is but being able to to bring that forth on paper is uh, is is so so critically important 
Today we have models, you know, we have computer-aided rendering uh, programs, and uh, I, I, I've even made the conversion myself. I, I work a lot in SketchUp, and so creating those 3D models really simplifies that aspect. It's still the it's still same amount of time. There, there was a time when I would put 15 to 25 hours into a presentation, and I would take that single sheet presentation, one particular view, and frame it and take it to the client in a big... 24 by 36 portfolio and show it to them and and uh, and they were always wowed by that but then they would say okay what happens over there on the back well you're just gonna have to <laughs> trust me on that one <laughs> well today we can just spin that model around backwards upside down look under it if you want you know I mean they're just all sorts of ways so those those tools are, are very very helpful but you know I within all of that though Dave I, I it's it's where you are in, in your career, where I am in mine, uh, is the confidence and competence of, of being able to present something. So a client can, especially the higher end clients, you know, they're self-made most of the time and they can sniff out a, a scam when they see one coming and you can't go in there and just BS your way through it. You, you have to know what you're talking about. You've got to be able to back it up and you've got to bring that, bring that competent piece to the table before you consider presenting anything out of the norm to the client well anything as a matter of fact but uh, especially with what we're talking about marrying these two things together and having some experience on in both genres i think is uh, is terribly important to create that that, that level of competence mm -hmm. okay so so you've got some inspiration we talked about you know barragon lautner frank lloyd wright uh you're using drawing as one of your tools you're you're working kind of as a salesman pitching these concepts mm -hmm. and now you've you've got the contract you've got uh, your design at least your conceptual design done maybe your construction documents aren't done yep. and now you're you're starting to work towards the end of this which is the build you know how, yep. how do you get from that point obviously drawings would be next and you know, yeah. maybe you could tell me what your sort of your process is now yeah um I, I think you're baiting me in to tell people that I use you to help me bring some <laughs> no. of those concepts together. <laughs> You've only used me a couple of times. That's why you're in trouble all the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I'm a slow learner. But you know, it, it's it. But it. But that's that's what comes to mind when you ask that question. It's uh, that's the next step. Is once all the conceptual stuff's done. And again, just to, to refer back to one particular project recently that, that you've helped me with, and that's exactly what we did. I showed up uh, at the client's house. Well, first they gave me all of their descriptives of what they want. And, uh, and very seldom, by the way, do my clients come out and say, okay, I want a spa here, and I want an edge detail over there, and I want a waterfall over here. I very seldom get that. And I usually ask them, don't, don't give me that. Just tell me what you like, what you'd like to see and, and experience, and, and let me, because this is what I do, and you don't know what you can have. And I try to say that in a non-arrogant way, because I know what you can have. You don't. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, I, I, I take that, and uh, we created a plan. I came back, and again, I'm, I'm uh, such a slave to the, to the modern age, and I hate the fact that I'm getting further and further away from my pencil. Uh, but I show up at the house with a 32-inch monitor tucked under my arm. And by the way, it fits right here, just exactly. I walk in. And so I used to walk in with a 36-inch portfolio, and now I come in with a monitor. Set it up, and I set them up in front of the TV. And, and I, with my mouse, I'm over there. I'm over behind them, talking to them about what they're seeing. What used to be people were looking over my shoulder. Mm -hmm. And now I've put them in a different position. Now they're watching TV, which we all do. 
on a big screen on a table right in front of them. And I show them this model. And uh, 10 minutes in, the client looks over his shoulder and he says, Mike, you knocked it out of the park. This is, this is great. And of course, that's wonderful to hear from somebody who's about to spend $700,000 with you. So anyway, so we take that. And then um, I've got all these ideas on paper now. And I ship them out to you. And uh, Dave, I've got these ideas, and here's what I want. And, and you hand me off to one of your team members because apparently you don't know how to do it. And we get that. Uh, I'm we, working on the eight hundred thousand dollars. Here's just only seven. I got it. So, but but those guys will will help me take those those ideas where I'm I'm borrowing from the architecture. Or even in this case, we had uh, uh, in this particular project, we had an issue at the house that we were so close to it that I was alarmed because I know house construction. And, and so I was alarmed by our, the proximity. So we'll call Jake and talk to you. And we wound up doing, making some changes, came up with several ideas and ultimately we moved the pool. But, uh, but there were ideas again that you guys presented and, and offered to us and uh, kind of was helped get us over the hump. And then again, other architectural elements that I had in and around the pool that for instance, spanning uh, uh, the grotto was 12 foot uh, across and I needed, I didn't want a support post. And uh, again, just to sell the idea, to get a, a better idea of what a grotto is and uh, just a big cavernous opening. And you were able to design the, the slab to carry the load. We talked about deflection recently and, and how we're going to veneer it. So all of those things, I, again, it's, uh, I, I'm, I'm not a, I may be a one man show, but uh, in terms of my company, but it takes a team of, of good, competent people. Uh, such as yourself and, and Water Shapes Consulting to uh, to kind of help bring it all together. Ooh. Definitely got to have you. <laughs> and then, uh, so now bringing those uh, from from paper into the field, you mm -hmm. know, are there, if you're just thinking about sort of architectural details and, and bringing those into the field, are mm -hmm. there challenges that you run into trying to explain, you know, to a, a mason that you're looking for a certain finish or quality or level of precision that maybe they're not used to <laughs> yeah but it's necessary for that particular element to be pulled off the way you want it yeah i, I think that what jumps to mind immediately is usually whenever I, I have a tight interface between the water element and the architecture itself um, i'm a big fan of of uh, and and i say this i'm gonna say this with caution because I don't like trends, I don't like styles, I don't like to be known for, oh, he does that, and he does that really well, and he does that everywhere, whether you like it or not. I, I don't want to be that, but I am a big fan of floating architecture on water. I, I personally just love that, and, and if the site offers it, I'll present it to the client, and uh, what I mean by that is, is um, existing architecture or stuff that we're going to add to. And, uh, and so whenever you do that, you bring that water element to a dry element, such as a building that I'm going to reside in or have a drink in or have a barbecue in, whatever, that's an exacting process through there. And that takes close attention to detail, that interface, that, that, that junction between the two, transition, if you will. And so, uh, yeah, that's one of the, one of the major, major concerns. And, and a few other major, or a few other concerns too, or the what I was mentioning earlier about Baragon, how you would project a, an overhead runnel into into the swimming pool, sometimes requires a, a a posting mechanism, you know, out into the swimming pool to pull off the overall effect, 
and now you've got a rigid architectural structure, semi-rigid, and then you've got the rigid swimming pool down below, and they're both founded in different, you don't know what the house is founded in, and you're making this rigid connection between the two, and there's gonna be movement. It's gonna be deflection, there's gonna be expansion contraction, it's gonna be all of these things, and so, again, engineering helps me figure all those types of things out, but those are challenges for sure. Mm -hmm. Is there any particular project or, or detail in your, uh, your portfolio that, uh, you know, that you can sort of tie to a particular architect or, you know, from an influence standpoint and that, you know, maybe, maybe was a challenge to pull off all the way through? You know, the first one, it's funny you mentioned falling water, wasn't a challenge. It was a challenge to convince the client it was okay. Uh, but the first time that I, I ever addressed a set of stairs running the length of the swimming pool was a Frank Lloyd Wright detail in that pool that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Uh, that he did in the 1930s, and it's almost um, prolific now, but uh, whenever you have a tight space consideration, whenever the pool's not very big, a, a standard set of stairs flowing out into the pool is uh, sometimes it just doesn't make good sense. So taking what we would normally call a bench down one length of the pool or one end of the pool, and but do that bench in three levels and, and match the stair uh, configuration or, or uh, uh, progression that we normally would build. Uh, that was, did that very early in my career. And, uh, but again, I, I stole it from Falling Water. Again, David Tishman and I had, had gone to Falling Water in, early in my career, probably in the mid, mid 90s. And uh, we visited there and uh, I remember seeing that set of steps and went, hmm, that's interesting. Never seen that before. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I brought that in and was able to, to get it, again, challenging to the client. They couldn't understand it. But again, I was able to draw it real quick, and they went, oh, interesting as well, and, and, uh, and we built it. Um, I like that detail, too, because when I make them you know, three or four feet long, they're really a series of benches at different levels. It is. They're yeah. not just steps, so they're multifunctional. And oftentimes, when done on the wall parallel to maybe a vanishing edge, now you're really setting up a series of places to sit and just look out across that that water and, mm -hmm. and really get that idea that there is no no edge to it you're at the end of the world exactly yeah exactly I, and, and you know talking not particular architects but um, another detail that I brought home from my travels was uh, the, the the runnel detail that you see in mosques throughout Spain you know and uh, I had gone into there and, and uh, into my first mosque and there's that center courtyard fountain and then all these lines of water projecting off back into the residence itself you know that they use for cooling you know and the whole the whole nine yards and obviously for drinking water but um and since i saw that again i came home and i've got to figure out a way someplace and and again it's all about the site what does the site call for and uh my first endeavor in with that particular detail was I was retained to do a remodel on a 1970s pool behind a house that was built in also the 70s, and uh, but it was a very, um, uh, I call it kind of a, uh, a hacienda, you know, matter of fact, it was named Hacienda something, I've forgotten the name of it. Anyway, I was able to, to bring that, it, the pool was just a big 30 by 60 diving pool, and that was it, sitting alone all by itself, and I was able to add a water feature at the house and flow a rental detail all the way out too. And again, it was that same Moorish influence in Spanish architecture and uh, or in, in, in Mediterranean style architecture. So I was able to bring that in as well. Again, nothing, you know, that's just super, wow, nobody does that. But um, it's just those types of things that influenced me throughout my career. Sure. Yeah. Okay.
Um, anything else you want to talk about in regards to uh, bringing architecture from you know concept to construction? Um, you know, again, the the competency of, of being able to present it to the client and uh, and knowing it front to back, inside and out, before you even open your mouth, uh, I think is is truly important. Uh, obviously, especially uh, for you. Yeah, especially. <laughs> Especially for me, you know, it's 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 easy to come back from travels and you've seen something that you've never done before. Or you see something that sparked an idea and you just run with excitement to the next client and you force it on them, you know. And that's what I, I see a lot of that in in our design world, uh, and and that's typically the greenhorn designer, you know, that uh, or pool guy, if you will, that just hasn't doesn't have a lot of experience with it. But but yeah, taking that idea understanding it, knowing it, being able to develop it, knowing a good team to put behind it if you need it, uh, and, uh, and to, to bring it off. And then your subcontractors, and you've got to know more than them. You know, in, in most cases that I've learned in my 30-year career, if you get out of the way, your subs will just build your job for you. Who knows what it's going to look like when it's done? Who knows if it's going to fail or not when it's done? But they'll build it for you. So you've got to know more than them, and you've got to bring that to the table. And, uh, again, the competency thing. So selling it, bringing it to fruition, knowing how to do all of that, and then uh, finishing it off properly. And, and again, meeting the environmental concerns or, or questions or uh, influences. Um, does it, is it to replicate antiquity or is it supposed to be more modern? And so knowing the materials that bring all of that forward as well. And so uh, just like the hacienda that I had just mentioned, I was able to marry the old with the new and uh, material-wise as well, and uh, it worked. So... So again, just overall front-to-back competency is really important before you tackle this this type of uh, this type of work. Good. Yep. Yeah, reaching out through education and yeah. other peers in the industry, experts in in the various areas, because you're really the, the the orchestrator of a symphony. Well, that's it. You're exactly right. That's a good so. good point. And Genesis is just a, a wonderful resource for all of that. I mean, it's. Uh, uh, we, we call it our resource pool, and uh, the pun intended, because, uh, you know, this is what we do, and, and there's a bunch of us, and uh, I, I've yet to find something that I've seen or thought of that someone within our organization hadn't had something at least similar to that, and it crossed that, uh, that threshold and, and it can help me get to the other side as well. Okay. Well, thanks for uh, coming today and talking yeah. to us about this. I really yeah. appreciate your time. All right, man. Good Thank to you. see you, brother. Yeah, good seeing you. Ask the Masters is dedicated to educating, mentoring, and designing a better workplace for the swimming pool industry and their families. Please take a moment to share, like, and review our content with all of those that would be interested.